Stacy Amendola Johnson is uh, is our daughter, and uh, she is um, a great asset to our church. Come on up. She is our <clears throat> worship leader. She has uh, worked with our kids ministry, our women's ministry. She's our church bookkeeper. She's my comrade in battle, you know. And uh, I love you. Love you and we are all very proud of you for what you've become. She's the mother of Ava, Jack, and Ella, and Leah down in North Carolina, and uh, wife to Dan Johnson, our, one of our board members. So give Stacy a warm welcome right now as she preaches. Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. Am I, am I on here? All right. How are we doing, church? Good? I feel honored to be the first one preaching from this nice, nice pulpit here. I'm not going to drop my notes like last time. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today, church? God is so good. Amen. Are you blessed by our kids? They blessed me this morning seeing them. Why don't we pray one more time and we're going to get going. All right. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. We're so grateful for this house where we can freely worship you. We're so thankful, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to continue to move in this place. We want you, Lord. We are, we are hungry for you. We need you. None of this, this is all just empty without you, Father. I thank you for your word that we can stand on, that we can trust in, that we can hold on to, and I pray that you speak to us right now. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, this morning I am once again so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I, it's an honor and a privilege and a blessing to my life. Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about peace. The title of my message is Peace, Be Still. Who wants peace in their life? Come on. Everybody wants peace, right? We all want peace. We want peace in our home. We want peace and quiet with our kids sometimes, all the time, right? We want um, peace for, you know, in the, an atmosphere of peace. Um, everywhere we look, there are things that are marketed to get, bring us peace, right? Light the candles, diffuse some essential oils. I do the things. I'm looking for peace as well. All that peace is, I mean, we want world peace. There's peace everywhere, right? We want, there's a an effort and a search for peace. But we know that that peace is fleeting. That peace only lasts for a moment. I know, especially in my house, when there's peace and quiet, I know I better soak it in because in a hot second, someone's going to be, you know, disturbing the peace. Um, that peace is not lasting. That's external peace, right? And that's good. We all want, you know, an atmosphere of peace around us. We all want peace. We don't want the opposite of that. But I want to talk to you this morning about internal peace, about the peace that only comes from God our Father. You know, God is peace. His Son is the Prince of Peace. He gives us peace. He brings peace, right? He is peace. He gives us peace. He um, pours peace out over us. It's a promise. It's a covenant. Like anywhere you look, any way you look at it, God gives us peace. The opposite of peace is chaos. It's turmoil. It's fear. It's doubt. It's confusion. It's all the things that are the opposite of who God is. So it's safe to say that God is peace. The opposite of peace is the devil. Right? The word tells us so clearly, even the last words from Jesus before he went, ascended to heaven, were to his disciples, just downloading all this a wealth of information. And he said in John 16, I'm telling you this so that you may have peace. I have overcome the world. Amen? 
The Psalms tell us over and over, my peace is in the Lord. My peace is in, no matter what's going on, my peace is in the Lord. Isaiah 32 tells us righteousness brings peace. As we are believers, as we belong to Christ, we're pursuing righteousness. With that comes peace. It's a promise. Isaiah introduces Jesus as wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace, right? He, it also tells us that the punishment, Christ's punishment on the cross brought us peace. John 14, my peace I leave with you, peace I give you. Not the world's peace, my peace. Let your heart not be troubled. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with peace. Ephesians 2, he himself is our peace, right? God is peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God is our King. Jesus is our Savior. They hold peace, and peace is for us, right? Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. The, fruit of, the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our life as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so simple, right? Peace is for us. Then why is it so elusive? Why is there such a struggle for peace? Everywhere we look, there is chaos, right? Globally, there's chaos and turmoil. In America, there's chaos, turmoil, sin, perversion, sexualization of our children, unrest, doubt, fear, right? Everywhere you look. In Massachusetts, we have turmoil. In our community, there's turmoil. There's pain. There's the opposite of peace. In our homes, maybe you're living in a home where there it is the opposite of peace. Everywhere we look, right? Are you with me? There's a, there's a hunger for peace. It's so simple. The word tells us God is peace, yet everywhere we look, right? Chaos. This morning, the Lord gave me a few things to tell you about holding on to peace. All right? Are you here for that? I want to tell you what. I'm here for this because this week, man, the enemy, the, The enemy is a thief. He's a liar. He wants to destroy us. The word tells us that so clearly. And as I was preparing this message, I felt like the enemy was straight up like, oh, you're going to preach about that? Okay. Then I'm going to remind you of all the things. I'm going to, you know, like everywhere I looked, I felt like I was just being, the, the opposite of peace was being thrown in my face. And I'm so grateful that I know the truth about who God is. And I know that the enemy is a liar. And I was able to say, no way. God is my peace. I want to tell you a story today. Since we have a little time, Pop told me we had time. So here's the story. When I was 16 years old, a wonderful lady at our church gave me a great gift for my 16th birthday. It was a big homemade envelope, and all of our church family signed it. And at the bottom of the envelope were all these little folded, sealed-up pieces of paper. And they were for my 16th birthday, for my 18th birthday, high school graduation, when I was feeling lonely, when I was discouraged, when I was happy, you know, all sorts of things. For wedding season, for my children, when I lose a loved one. I mean, she covered it all. I I know that it was a prophetic gift. In each of the little envelopes that she marked were scripture, straight word, nothing else. Um, I, it was a cool gift when I was 16. It means so much more to me now. She, Her name was Barbara. She died in an accident before she saw any of those things happen. She never saw that in my life. But that gift became so valuable to me because I, I knew that it was the Lord speaking through her. All right, fast forward to 23. That was a lot of years ago, guys. Um, 23 years old, I was living between Arizona and California. I was going back and forth between sister churches. I was had been given a job opportunity. I hadn't decided yet what I was going to do. It was a salary position, a creative designer at a big church. Um, it was just what I wanted, but my heart was 
I was experiencing unrest. And everyone's like, this is great. This is perfect for you. And I kept saying, I'm looking for something, though. Like, I'm just looking. God, what do you want me to do? And I was asking all the questions. And I and the, the pastor told me, hey, why don't you go home on vacation? It was right around Thanksgiving. Stay through the new year. Come back, and we'll just we'll make this happen, and, you know, you'll feel better. Okay. I went home for the holidays. I left all my stuff there. I was like, all right, Lord, I'm ready for you to speak to me. What do I do? And there was a concert at my dad's church. They lived in the parsonage. So I wandered over to a youth concert to meet some, say hi to some old friends. I met a boy. So at this time in my life, I was like, I'm not getting married. I don't see myself as a wife or a mother. Um, I'm like, Lord, I want to do it for you. I'm done with all of that extra. And then I met this boy. And everyone kept introducing us the whole night, you know. And at the end of the night, we had been introduced so many times, it was comical at that point. And he threw his arm around me and was like, oh, we're, we know each other. We're getting married. And for a quick second, I had that, what I had been looking for, you know? And I was like, Lord, do we need to have a conversation? And I gave him my phone number, and I was like, oh, I hope he never calls me. This is too much, you know, this is crazy. And uh, he did call me like a month later. It was Christmas morning. He called me and said, I, I'm thinking about you. I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. And I got that sort of feeling again. I was like, okay. And I told him I'm here for another couple weeks. This is like a super long, beautiful, hilarious story condensed real fast. It was Dan Johnson, by the way, in case you were wondering. And I was captivated by him. His hands when he talked, his blue eyes, whatever, all of it. I was in. And I thought, okay, Lord, let's see what happens. So it was another few weeks before he called me again. He came to church on a Sunday. Um, He said he was, like, nearby. I didn't realize till after we had been, like, dating for a month or a couple weeks that he really lived an hour away. But um, he came to my dad's church. We went to my parents' house after for dinner. We went to Sunday night service. You remember Sunday night service, right? Uh, we went out for coffee after that. We didn't want the night to end. I went home, and he dropped me off at home, and I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know what is going on, but I'm I'm experiencing what I was looking for with that job. you know. So you got to talk to me here. He went home and told the girl that he was casually dating, mm-mm, we're done. He called me the next day and said, I woke up with the joy of the Lord, and we're getting married. And I said, I barely like you, which was a big fat lie. And um, from that minute on, there was no question in our mind. We were for each other. We loved Jesus. We loved each other. We were captivated with each other. And there was no doubt in our mind that we weren't going to get married. Like that was just the next logical step. So he talks to Pop, says, hey, I'm really serious about Stacy. I want to date her with the intention of getting married. Like, Pop said, all right, let's see what happens. A week later, he proposed. I said yes. Pop said, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) They they went behind closed doors. Those doors shut. It was like a long, it was a long time. They came out and said, we're we're having a wedding. And um, so he proposed the end of March. That September, we got married. And I want to tell you what. We did all the things. We pursued the Lord together. We did premarital counseling. We did all the right things. God showed up in incredible ways, provided this beautiful venue. We had an extensive guest list. You know, it was like this wedding just took on a life of its own. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was, it was so obvious that God was in it. And here I was, so in love, so 
captivated by the fact that, man, God just like turned everything around for me in one second, one night, one arm thrown around me casually. And um, I just kept thanking him for showing up for me. But I was still experiencing like this, just like, Lord, I want to know deep down. Like, I know Dan is for me. I know I'm in love. Uh, this is like, this is it for me. I have no doubt in my mind, but I want to know that I know. Like, I was looking for something and people were telling me like, you know, you're just guessing like it's our human nature. And I was like, no, I just, I'm looking for something. And I was at my parents' house. They were getting ready to move into a new home. So I was packing up some of my like, you know, childhood stuff. And, um, I was wearing my high school sweats and I was frying an egg in a pan and I was on the phone with an old worship leader. And I said, look, I'm so excited. I know that this is it. I just want to know. And she's like, well, are you talking to the Lord? And I said, yeah, I ask him all the time. Like, Lord, what, what do you want? Is this it? Like, what, what do I do? And she said, well, why don't you ask him what he's doing? And I said, that is what I'm asking. I'm saying, what do you, what do I do? She said, no, ask the Lord what he's doing. And I hung up and I'm like, all right, that seems like what I'm doing, but okay. It was a little different. Instead of asking him, like, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. Instead, when I simply said, God, what are you doing? I'm about to change my life forever. Like, I knew that this was, like, the biggest thing I was ever going to do. Walk down the aisle to this man. And... In that moment, I began to have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, I'm packing up my stuff, and I find this old, like, card from Barbara, right? I open it up. Wedding season is there. I thought I was never going to open that. I open it up, and the scripture that was inside is Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let me tell you, in that moment... The word was so real to me because, you know, the word is living. The word spoke to me so clearly The he gives us peace that transcends every human understanding. And let me tell you what, we had a wedding and I walked down the aisle and I smiled the whole time. It rained. I had to redo my hair three times. I broke my heels, didn't care. Ruined my Ugg boots, which I really loved. Didn't care in that moment. Had to change and then run over to the church and get changed again. Didn't care. Our wedding started an hour late because of the weather. Didn't care. We walked out and our limo driver had left because we were late. Didn't care. Leo was cranky because she didn't have a nap. Wasn't bothered. My sister and my cousin and another bridesmaid were in a minor car accident. I cared, but I wasn't bothered. You know, we finally got to the venue. There were no hors d'oeuvres left. Didn't care. We didn't eat the food that I picked out, painstakingly picked out the menu. And people still tell me it was really good food. Didn't care. Our pictures couldn't be done the way I wanted to. Didn't care. Listen, I could have married that man in a gas station on the side of the road without my family there without the guest list, without the beautiful church, without the dress. It was beautiful. He was beautiful. Everything was beautiful. But the peace that I had transcended what was going on. It, it did not matter. Amen. 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 I share that because I didn't, I asked for it. I asked for that and God gave it to me. Okay. We're going to, we're going to read Judges 6. 
Okay, Judges is an interesting book of the Bible. God's basically like done with his people. He's like, okay, you keep doing what I tell you not to do, so I'm going to kind of give you over here. I'm going to read this um, and skip a few words just so you, you know, get the gist of it, okay? Is that, is that okay with everybody? Are we comfortable with that? Okay, here we go. Judges 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites had to hide in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whatever the Israelites planted, the Midianites and the other bad guys would invade and destroy. They didn't spare a living thing. They couldn't raise cattle. They couldn't raise sheep. They couldn't raise donkey. They came up and destroyed their livestock and their tents like a swarm of locusts. It was impossible to count the bad guys or their or their camels. They were so invasive. There were so many. They ravaged the land. The Israelites cried out to the Lord because of this oppressive chaos. And he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, your God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Don't worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was trying to thresh wheat in a wine press to keep it from the bad guys. I don't really know what a wine press looks like, but I don't think that's how you, you know, crush the wheat. But he had to do that because there was no other way to survive. He was in chaos, turmoil, right? And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, what How do you explain this? What is happening around us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, didn't the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel and and out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon says, hold on. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. I don't know what he meant by that, but I'm assuming across the board, right? Weak in my family. And the Lord answered, like, what do you mean? I'll be with you and you will strike down the Midianites and you will leave none alive. And Gideon replies, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Don't go away until I come back. I'm going to bring you an offering. Okay, so he goes and he gets bread and meat and a broth. He makes it. He prepares it. He brings it back. And the angel of the Lord said, okay, take out that food. Put it on this rock. Pour it out. Gideon did. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. And fire flared up and consumed it all. And Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord. And he exclaimed, Sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the angel said, don't be afraid. The Lord said, peace, don't be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The chapter goes on to tell us that the Lord goes on to say, all right, you heard me. You know it's me now. You built an altar to remember our encounter. That's good. Now I want you to go and destroy the altar to the false god. Tear it completely down. 
Don't just tear it down. Burn what you can. Altars are made of, you know, rocks and wood, all kinds of things. Burn that up. Offer that on a new altar and worship me. And Gideon's like, I can't do that. You don't understand. Like, the Israelites built the altar. We're in this bad place. And the Lord says, do it. He does it. The people come. They're in outrage. What did you do? He's like, I followed the Lord. Done. So it goes on to say the Gideon keeps getting downloads from the Lord. He's speaking so clearly. He gives him direction and he leads him to victory. And God does what he told Gideon he was going to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. But we're going to talk about this part. I had peace on my wedding day, right? Because I was young and I was in love, right? All those things. And I was marrying the man that I never knew I always wanted. And I had received revelation. I had an encounter with the Lord that gave me deep down peace. Jehovah Shalom, right? But I'll tell you something. That peace has become my most valuable possession. Because through, it's been... 18 years plus it threw up down turn around two imperfect sinful strong-willed people marrying each other through tough pregnancies through babies through illness through loss through job changes through conflict through whatever the up down you get it that peace has surpassed my understanding of what's going on that peace has kept me All right. Do you hear me? That peace has kept me day after day, year after year. The peace that only comes from the Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, the anticipation of what he's going to do kept me. So what do we do? What do we do to hold on to the peace that only God brings? What do we do when we're in the middle of chaos and turmoil? And look, this might be like you might be looking at the world as a whole and you can't even see God moving, right? That might be affecting you so big. I don't know. You might be looking at someone. You might be thinking now of one situation and you're like, Stacy, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I have in front of me. I can't, there is no peace. I want to tell you God is peace. He is Jehovah Shalom and the anticipation of what the peace will bring is enough. Amen. All right. So what do we do? What do we do? Three things. Ready for the first one? First one is build an altar. Gideon, peace does not mean the absence of conflict. All right. Peace, God's peace does not mean that all of a sudden everything's changed. He works like that sometimes. Don't we wish it was all the time, right? Those suddenlies, don't we wish that? But God works in his own ways, in his own time. It doesn't mean that you won't have conflict. It doesn't mean that there won't be turmoil. There won't be things. Peace from the Lord is calm in all of that. Gideon's situation didn't change. He was still oppressed. He was still in chaos and turmoil, all the things, right? But he had an encounter with the Lord and he built an altar. In the Old Testament, if you walked through those streets, even now, I think, can we go? Can we go there? Um, you would see altars, right? Re- remnants of altars because the, the people of God built altars to remember their encounter with him. To build an altar now is not, you know, to go out and get rocks in, in your backyard and build an altar. I mean, you can if you want to, but the Lord says to create, we're, we're to create a space. We are the altar. Okay. So I want you to take a, 
a second and close your eyes and think about the spiritual landscape of your life. If you were to walk back through, maybe you've known the Lord for 50 years, for 20 years, for 5 years, whatever. Look back and see. Do you see the faithfulness of God? Do you see the altars you've built as you encountered God, as he showed up for you, as you experienced repentance, revival, restoration? Can you see the altars that you've built? When Ella was a little girl, you know, Ella has a way with words. She got all her baby dolls together in her stroller, and she said, these babies are so naughty. I was like, okay, they need to get altered. I was like, what do you mean they need to get altered? They need to get altered. What do you... No frame of reference. She said, I need to take them to church so that they can go to the altar to get altered. Man, sometimes that's what this altar's for, right? Right? We come to the altar to get altered. But what happens? What happens when we need an encounter with the Lord on a Monday? What do we do? We're going to wait till Sunday to get it right. Well, I'll go to church on Sunday and get it right with the Lord. No, you are the altar and it's time to stop what you're doing, to stop looking at the external circumstance, to stop holding up whatever and build an altar. Jehovah Shalom. God is your peace. And you know what? That's what I'm talking about today, but it might be different for you. You know, you might need to build an altar that says Jehovah provides, right? Jehovah heals, God who heals, God who moves, whatever it is, it's time to build an altar. When we build an altar, it is a place to encounter the Lord. It's a place to bring our sin, repentance. We know we've been talking. It is such a vital part. I'm talking to the church here, right? We can't forget our sin. We can't forget that even though we said the sinner's prayer so long ago, we are still a sinful people, right? We Repentance needs to be part of our walk with Jesus. Amen. That's where the altar is. The altar is where we seek forgiveness. The altar is where we take our pain. The altar is where we have intercession. And there is a price. Hebrews 13 says that we are living sacrifices of praise, right? John 4 says to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. It is time to stop and take a minute and close your eyes to the what's going on outside and build an altar and encounter Jesus. You you with me, church? And while we're at it, we need to do what the Lord instructed Gideon to do because you can build as many altars you want to the Lord. You can even, you can build them to remember who he is and what he's done and you could build them to worship him at. But if you don't take care of the old altars in your life, then it doesn't, they'll always be there. They'll just be there staring at you, right? You can build as many as you want, but that old altar, it won't go farther away. It will just keep being there. It's time to destroy the old altars in your life. And you're saying, man, I've taken care of that. Let me tell you what, church, as we grow in Christ, our sin looks different. Our altars look different, right? We justify our sin so much. It's... I. Ugh. Right? We all do it. I do it. It is time to demolish the old altars, to take down the altars of idolatry in our life. What could it look like? What does it look like when, we, when we're in Christ? Man, it could look like anything. It could look like good things. The enemy is a liar. He wants to twist us into thinking that it's good to be busy, that our family, family life, family time is more important than being in the house of the Lord. Look, he does that, right? He puts people in our life that get us, that, that we, you know, they like, they like get us. And then 
if we take a take a step back and think, man, but they don't know Jesus, so they shouldn't be the ones that get me, right? The enemy's slick, and he disguises um, his his evil doing as blessing. It's time to demolish the old to take a good look at it. Man, you might be like, I've built my altar so many times. It's all right. Keep rebuilding it. It's time. It's the anticipation of promise. Man, altars are built by heavy things, rocks, right? Broken things, built up, stacked up together. It's time, church, to take your brokenness, to take the hard things. I get it. It's hard to do that when you're in the midst of the worst. Let's encounter Jesus. Let's encounter the Lord and call him who he is, even if we don't see it, and build an altar with our life. Amen. You know, first, second Corinthians 6 says we are the temple, right? We are. First Peter says we're like living stones. We're being built into a spirit house. The Lord wants to work in us. He wants to use us, and he wants us whole. So when he shows up for us and we build an altar to remember we can go back to that when we need to, right? When he shows up for us and speaks to us and we demolish the old ways and build an, a new altar to worship at, that's where we're giving him space to show up. We're giving him an opportunity for the fire to fall. All right? All right. The second thing we do after we build an altar is establish rhythms of renewal. Man, it doesn't matter. I, I built that altar. The Lord showed up for me. I needed peace. I asked for it. He showed up for me. But that, that peace would have been fleeting, just like external peace, if I took it, if I walked down the aisle and then forgot all about it. We need to establish rhythms of renewal in our life. John 10.10 10 tells us, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, right? Romans 12 tells us that we are transformed. We need to shift our focus away from the opposite of peace and instead look to the God who gives us peace. We need to shift away from our trauma, shift away from our pain, shift away from fear. Listen, there are valid reasons for all those things. I get it. You you might... I. Listen, you might be going home to a situation that I don't know about, that I can't even imagine. And I want to speak Jehovah Shalom to you. God sees you. God shows up for you. And it is by the renewing of your mind that you live there. You you built the altar. Now live in it. You get it? We have to recognize our sin. I heard someone say once, a Christian say, this is a... Uh, say, man, I, the enemy has been getting me. You know, the enemy has just been on me. I got, I got my fifth speeding ticket, you know, in a, a certain amount of time. The enemy just wants to get me. And I was like, but you were speeding. Isn't that like us? We try to blame the devil for our sin. And then we kind of ignore the enemy when he is attacking us. Right? We kind of brush off the real attacks from the enemy. Well, it is what it is. It's just the way it is. It's part of my son. Ba 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 ba. We're so quick to blame him for our own stuff, but we forget about him when we're really experiencing, you know, his tricks. It's time to recognize our sin and the enemy's moves. Replace them with the word of God. The word speaks to us. It is living. That that card that I got, man, she could have written all kinds of good things in there, but nothing would have met me like the word of God did, right? You get it? We hear all the time, you read your Bible every day. You got to pray every day. It sounds like a bunch of rules or a bunch of guidelines. Man, 
He is our daily bread. We need, if we are not praying every day, if we are not in the word every day, what stops the enemy from speaking to us? What stops his voice from being loud? It is by the renewing of our mind that we are transformed. God created us in a rhythm. I, I realize that every time I speak, I want to go to identity. That's just like what I want to speak about because God, God, loves you. He created you. It is with the rhythm that he created creation. It is our breath. It is our heartbeat, our pulse. There is a rhythm to our life, right? What is your rhythm with the Lord? I know that we get up early to go to the gym. We drive an hour out of the way to go to our favorite restaurant that has windows that look at the ocean and you can get lobster, right? We wait for our favorite restaurant. We drive hours away to go see our favorite band, even our favorite worship team, whatever. What about our time with the Lord? It is by the rhythms of renewal that we stay strong, that we meet the Lord over and over, that that peace can become ours. You get it, church? You feel me? All right. Matthew 11 says, come to me and I will give you rest. The word tells us to take every thought captive. Man, listen. Life, I get it. Life is hard. Things are hard. But I... Peace is not far. Peace is a covenant promise. It is for you. And that peace does not mean that everything is a piece of cake, but it means that suddenly how you see is different. Suddenly how you operate is different. The pain is even different, right? Jehovah Shalom. So we got to build an altar. As we build an altar to remember our encounters with God, we got to take down the old ones. We gotta take it down. We gotta remove it. That means, um, you know what it means. It means changing our lifestyle, changing what we fill our mind with, changing what we watch, stop making allowances for little things. Man, look, some, the Bible tells us some things are okay, but they're not good for you. It, we need to take a look at what we're filling this with. It is by the renewing of our mind that we can stay in the peace of God, that we can access that. Otherwise, we get tired, we get worn down. You know, when you're tired, when you're not taking care of your body, it's easy to get sick, right? You just, your body's not able to fight the germs, just the way it is. Same thing spiritually. When we're tired, when we're run down, when we stop taking care of our spiritual life, what happens? The voice of the enemy is suddenly so clear. The last thing is we need to to access that peace that is a promise. We need to engage in the supernatural. We know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against principalities, rulers of the dark world. Listen, we are in a war, and it is spiritual. You get that? Say it with me. It is spiritual. We need to engage in the supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a Savior who died and rose again and is living now. We serve a God who speaks to us still. Come on, church. We... We serve a God who saves us, heals us, frees us, right? A God who speaks still and a God who says that peace is for you, all right? So it is time to acknowledge that the spiritual, that the battle, the struggle is spiritual. It is supernatural. So what do we do? Listen, peace 
is not passive. Peace is not docile. Peace is not letting things happen. Peace is not allowing things, you, people to walk all over you, right? Peace is not, peace is saying no to unbelief. It's saying no to chaos. It's saying no to the spirits that rise up in opposition. I want to turn to Mark chapter 6, chapter 4. Just kidding. Chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus is with his disciples. He had just been teaching them. He's been speaking to them in parables. He healed some people that needed a healing. Like, they're just beginning. There's been no resurrection. There's been no cross. Like, they're just beginning to see who this Jesus is, right? He called them to him. They're following him. They're fishermen. They're in his boat. He says, okay, come on. Let's go over to the other side. Let's leave this crowd behind. So they took him along, just as he was in their boat. This was their element, okay? This is where what they did before they left everything to follow Jesus. And verse 36 says, leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Peace be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the word says, They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this guy? Who is this? They were just beginning to find out who Jesus is. Well, thanks to the word, we know who Jesus is, right? We know who he is. We know the power that he has. Peace is not passive. Peace is not something we put in our back pocket and allow things to happen to us. Peace says no to unbelief like Jesus said no to unbelief. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, right? I have the power inside. I access supernatural peace. And I say to the wind and the waves, what is that? I say to the chaos, to the turmoil, to the spiritual attacks, to the demonic entities that are rising up against our family, it's time to call it what it is, okay, church? And say to that, peace be still. I rebuke you. tells us that the promises of God are yes and amen. The word tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, right? We know that the armor of God, we know it so well, right? Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, right? The shield of faith and feet shod with the gospel of peace. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, I love to be barefoot. My dad doesn't like it. My kids love to be barefoot. I think, in fact, they're downstairs barefoot right now. Can you imagine fighting a battle barefoot? Come on now. We skip over that so many times. It doesn't seem powerful. But the preparation of the gospel of peace on our feet, come on. That's where our power is. That's where our strength is. I hiked a mountain a couple weeks ago. It was hard. If I didn't have those great, great shoes Dan bought me for Christmas, I would have been dying, okay? I already was. But that kept me. Listen, church, it is time. Our mind is governed, right, by the flesh. It's death. The mind governed by flesh is death. 
The spirit is life. The spirit is peace. Romans 16, 20 says, let's just read it right out of the word, all of us. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Let me tell you what, church, it is time. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over because I want you to really get it, all right? It is time to take a minute and look at the chaos in our life. Gideon was oppressed. That was, it was more than what we have ever experienced. He was not free. He was not fed. He was not safe. He was in chaos. He was in turmoil. And even more than that, God had lifted his hand off of his people, all right? But Gideon met God and his situation didn't change, but he said, I'm going to build an altar and I'm going to call it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. All right? And Gideon didn't change it around in a second. Man, Gideon went on to test God. He still questioned God. But I have a feeling that even though he was doing that, he had that deep peace behind him, right? He demolished the old altar and he built a new one to worship the God that he knew to be true at. Come on. It's time to... To take that and keep going with it. It is by the renewing of our mind that we access the Spirit of God. That we are able to know where, what He's doing. Where we're, where we're supposed to go, right? And, and then beyond that, it's time to look the enemy in the face and say, I rebuke you with the power of peace that I have. The peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, my Savior. The peace that comes from the God that I serve, who is peace and who brings peace. And say, I rebuke you. Get off of my family. Get off of my marriage. Take your hands off this situation. Healing is for us. Redemption is for us. Restoration is for us. And you have no voice. Listen. Jesus calmed the storm that suddenly came up, right? As they were going to another territory, as they were going into a new land. And Mark tells us that they went across the lake that was now calm and they stepped into the, out of the boat and a man with demons came and met Jesus. And he said he was, he was overtaken with demonic force. His name was Legion. That means thousands, right? He was overtaken. He had, he could not be contained. He was demonically possessed and he came to Jesus and he shouted. He saw him and he shouted and said, what do you want with me? Don't send me away. Don't torture me. And Jesus said to him with the same power that he rebuked the wind and the waves that come on, tried to prevent him from going there in the first place and said, you come out. And the man was free. And the people were like, Terrified. Freedom is scary. Freedom doesn't feel right sometimes, you know? We want it. We pray for it. We try to access it, but then it comes and we're like... Where are you, church? Where are you? Where are your altars? Where is your repentance? Where is your acknowledgement of the sin in your life? 
the idols that you're holding on to, the patterns that you've tried to fit into your walk with the Lord. It's not so bad. It's not like I was. It's just, we love to talk about, you know, like one drink, right? That that means so many things, though. Let's not get hung up on that, okay? One drink beside, instead of all of this. No, man, come on. It is time to take a look at what we have in our life, what we're holding on to, who our kids are spending the, their most time with, who are speaking into our life, right? What is taking, we might, it looks like blessing, but if it's taking us away from the house of the Lord, it's not. Demolish the altars, the idols in your life. And then say, okay, I'm going to develop a rhythm of renewing my mind. What does that look like? It's so simple, yet it seems so hard, right? That means waking up early, just like you do to work out. Just like you taking the drive to the best restaurant, whatever, and developing a rhythm, a heartbeat, a pulse in your home, a pulse for your life. For, this is your spirit. Yes. And it's time to look at the enemy right in the face and say, you do not belong in my family, in my life. You have no voice. I am not yours. And speak with confidence because peace is not passive. I want you to get it. Peace is not giving up. Peace is power. Peace is victory. Peace is saying, I rebuke you. Go. So listen. We're here right now. We have altar calls all every Sunday, right? Can we build an altar right here? Can we get it right right here? The opposite of peace is confusion. It's confusion about who we are. It's confusion about who God says we are. It's lies. It's deception. It's doubt. It's disbelief. Whatever. Can we build an altar here? Can we meet him here? Can we purpose in our hearts today to have a rhythm of renewal, to take it seriously for once and for all? It's not like, like, this is life or death, my friends. And can we engage in the supernatural and say, with the same power that raised Christ from the dead, this is for me and you have no voice. Peace, be still, get out. You know, the church is one thing, right? We have a lot in place regarding the church. I mean, if you if you go by what the church offers you, you'll do pretty good, actually. Sunday morning, Monday night prayer meeting, Tuesday, Thursday talk, Wednesday night Bible study, men's group, women's group. There's a lot going on from the church. If we could do that, we'd do pretty good. But this is not about that. This is about what you and I do on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, etc. Say, let's say, I love the message. I love the message. Thank you for sharing your heart. Because you, I mean, this is our daughter. We, we know her life and, and we know 
there's not always uh, there's power in peace they, that, perfect absolutely there's power in peace peace is not passive there's power in peace 18 years already yikes wow but this is what I want to submit to the church I don't think I've ever been this out there with you but I want to be out there today build an altar right get into a rhythm I love that and engage the supernatural now like I said if you plug into the if you plug into the church I knew I should have tightened that up (laughs) but if you plug into the church you'll do okay with that but I'm going beyond that I'm asking you if you would consider doing this with me not that we're going to get together but we're going to get to we're going to do this as a spiritual exercise don't even raise your hand right now but this is what I want to submit to you will you get up early every day and pray for a little while just on your own and I'll guarantee you I'm, I do that I will do, I will continue to do that. You won't, you won't see me in the morning. You don't want to see me in the morning. But I will be doing that. So when you get up, whatever, you say you get up at whatever time, six o'clock, get up a little bit earlier so you can spend a little time with the Lord to build an altar. You've heard me say this before. My old pastor used to tell me, he said, you know, you just get up and do it. Get up and do it. You may not even feel like it, but get up early and sit at a table. Sit somewhere in the presence of God. Just give him time. You don't even need to say anything. Just this is this is an appointment I have with God. So that's number one. Could you that's building an altar? We all have twenty four hours in a day. Like I always say, Sunday morning service begins on Saturday night. Okay. So Monday morning prayer is going to begin when? On Sunday night. So you have to go to bed a little bit earlier maybe so you can get up a little bit earlier to do this. But whatever it takes. But build an altar. That's on us. Right? That's on us. Make time. Create time. And then, number two, I'm just going to go by the sermon. Get into a rhythm of doing this. Get into the flow. You know, a crisis happens. Well, all the more. Get up early and pray about it the next day. Uncertainty is going on. Get get up early and pray about it the next day. Get into a rhythm. This is what we do. Church, this is what Christians do. This is what Christians do. You talk about people in other countries that are facing a whole lot worse than we're facing over here, people pray. They run after God. And number three, obviously, engage the supernatural. The enemy of our soul does not want us to get up early in the morning to pray. Of course not. doesn't want us to get into a rhythm, a flow of being with God. The enemy will create all sorts of conflicts for us to not do those things. Can we stand together real quick? I'm gonna, this is what I wanna, I wanna ask you to do. A lot of you have my cell number. Everyone has our email address, nlc.news at yahoo.com. 
I'm going to ask you to respond to what I just said. Text me or email me. Everyone hear me? Text me or email me. Pastor Rick, I'll, I'll be praying with you tomorrow morning. Like I said, you won't see me, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to get up a little early. I'm, and I'm, I'm saying early because I know how the day goes. If we don't do it early, we probably won't do it because the day happens really fast. Something about giving him the first fruits is kind of valuable. So text me or email me. Say, Pastor Rick, I'm with you. I'll I'll be in prayer tomorrow morning. So between now and tomorrow morning, please communicate with me. Everyone hear me? Most of you have, you know how to get a hold of me. Leave a message on the office if you don't have any of the other info, but it's all there. Let me know. Pastor Rick, I'm going to be doing it, and I'm going to be doing it for a, indefinitely until we get into a rhythm. Keep doing it. Okay. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask Brother Jesus to come and share your heart with us, okay? Dear Father, Lord, I want to thank you for the word that came today. It's power and peace. There's power and peace. Lord, I feel that. I really feel that. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the word you put on Stacy's heart. But Lord, I do pray for the congregation. And um, Lord, we're, we're trusting that there's going to be a response in my email or in my text. And Lord, I, I pray for this congregation that this would not just be a message we hear and then we go home and forget about it. No, no, no. We hear the word of God. We see the story of Gideon, how we made an altar, how we, how we ran after you. And Lord, we're going to trust you that miracles will abound because we're seeking you first. <clears throat> we're going to trust you, Lord. That those things that have held us back will drop off of us because we're putting you first and foremost in our lives. So we thank you and we give you the praise and we give you the glory. Father, I pray, I pray for the, the church life to deepen, but I pray for the personal life of each one of us to deepen even more. And one will support the other. I know that. I pray that it will happen. And I pray, Lord, throughout these summer weeks, these uh, the rest of July and August, Lord, that something supernatural will burst wide open in this congregation. And for that, I thank you and I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray.